It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Two moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. Hello and welcome to episode 123 of Tangential Inspiration. I'm Colleen Torgerson. I'm Teresa Wymetelic. Welcome. Tonight I'm going to talk about Title IX. I'm so interested about yes. this because I know zero. <laughs> and it was done in 1972, so I always know how old it is because that's the year that I... Of your birth? <laughs> I was going to say, maybe I don't want to say that. Right. <laughs> I'm much younger than that. But And then I'm also going to talk about a lady named Patsy Mink who helped write Title IX. Okay. I am going to be talking about Becky Higgins. She is a memory keeper. Oh, I love that. goes from there. I need to work on that. Yes. I think most people associate Title IX with sports or the clothing line, which is a great clothing line. Oh, really? Yeah, Title IX. I am not Female, very... like, fitness wear. I'm not very fashionable. Well, it's, not, it's not fashionable. I mean, yes, it is very fashionable. Don't... Oh, but it's athletic wear. It's, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. What is that called now? Athleisure, Athleisure. wear? Yes. Yes. Stuff yes. I live in. Yes. But, yeah, so very great company. But Title IX helped create a more level playing field for women and girls to participate in sports at any school that receives financial assistance from the federal government, which pretty much... Is all of them. Right. It created opportunities for women to participate in sports that were previously exclusive to men, helped fund and create girls' sports teams, and required that girls' sports team and boys' sports teams were treated equally. Okay. Fair. Uh, totally fair. Yeah, haven't heard anything that <laughs> yeah. I don't agree to with. Disagree. Yeah. <laughs> and while we all know true equality of men's and women's sports hasn't happened yet. Agree. Yet. All right. caps. There's been major improvements in women's opportunities for school sports. I played water polo back in the day, and we oh. were fortunate to have a girls' team. Okay. But I kind of think maybe if there hadn't been a girls' team, you know, I, I don't know. Would I have been playing on the boys' team? I probably would not because I'd be – I don't know, but it's a good question. Right. Maybe I would have played on the boys' team. Uh, my goddaughter played football on the boys' team at Aloha. Wow. Right. Good so, for her. I'm very proud of her. Yeah, good for her. She'll, she's she'll very like this. brave to do yeah, that. Yeah, very brave. Yes. I love reading about girls who wrestle or like yes. your goddaughter there or the creation of a new girls sports team. I think it's important to understand the different things that Title IX has done. It was signed into law by President Nixon. Title IX of the Education Amendments of 1972 is incredibly important and not just to women's sports. Title IX is only 37 words long. Oh, which kind of surprised me. Yes. No person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. Basically, if an educational organization receives federal funding, it cannot discriminate against an individual based on their sex. A woman can wrestle on a man's wrestling team if they want Right. And, yeah, and, <laughs> that is a good point. Uh, yeah. And a man can be part of a women's synchronized swimming team if right. he wants. If he wants. So 
Also, the issue in episode 118 where Mary Jackson was told that she couldn't go to school to become an engineer because she was a woman and black Mm -hmm. just couldn't happen now. If a school receives federal funding, it cannot discriminate against a qualified woman if she wants to be an engineer or an astronaut. As it should be. Exactly. It's common sense. It's it really is. <laughs> that we're even talking about it. Yes. But likewise, men can train to be nurses and any nursing program that receives any federal funding or takes part in a federal program such as government-carried student loans, which men nurses always reminds me of Meet the Fockers with Ben Stiller. Have you seen that movie? I have not. Oh, my gosh. So many comedies you need to see. That was really good, too. You know, my husband He's a male was, nurse. That's that awesome, though, because my husband was in the hospital one time for 11 days, and the male nurses were our favorite. Yeah. They just sweet. were really on the ball, yeah. not to and probably go really against good women, but yeah. I'm just saying, like, I was what he so needed impressed. Then. Yeah. That's great. Yes. More recently, cases and the U.S. Department of Justice have held that the Title IX also applies to non-gender conforming and transgender people as well, although the Supreme Court has not ruled on the issue, so that'll be in our future. But what else do those 37 little words say? Schools and other federally funded institutions that do not do enough to curtail sexual harassment can be held accountable under Title IX. This doesn't just include sexual harassment of women, but of men, gays, and transgendered. This has been used to fight bullying based on sexual orientation, sexual identity, or just sexually charged bullying. LGBTQ students are more than twice as likely to be bullied or assaulted as other students. Wow. Title IX has been used to require schools to change policy about how they deal with sexual assaults. Numerous schools have been sued under Title IX when they have not taken sexual assault allegations seriously or where the victim has been treated as the bad guy. Colleges have also had to have plans in place to, to stop the danger and harassment of students who have been sexually assaulted so they can return to class and feel safe. Right. I mean, This seems like such a common sense. Yes. Like, why are we talking about it? I know. Right. Everybody should feel safe, period. Sadly, they don't. Yes. And it just, it's very, it's very sad. But fortunately, people are working on it. Yes. Schools must also make sure that students of any gender or sexual orientation have access to the same educational opportunities. Once again, common sense. Right. Including class choices, educational support, and extracurricular activities. Girls can take shop or engineering, and boys can take home ec. Did you have to take those classes when you were in middle school? I did take or home ec. Junior high. It was junior high. I did take home ec. And you sewed? Yes. And cooked? Right. And welded? I did. No. I did woodworking, welding, which I was the terrible. Sewing did not stick with me. <laughs> <laughs> I had to make a hamburger in home ec. <laughs> I still love to cook, so maybe it did do something. Well, I mean, hamburger, sewing. It was like a felt hamburger. Oh, a felt. <laughs> yes. It was not a hamburger. And it doesn't just apply to students either. Any person at a covered educational facility is included, faculty and staff. So that means there cannot be discrimination in teaching assignments or hiring at schools based on sex or gender or identity. Title IX also applies to pregnant students and staff. They can't be discriminated against because they're pregnant, which... A lot of sense. I don't know know what else to say. Besides, (laughs) yep. (laughs) Um, Students who have children can't be prohibited from going to school or playing school sports, which 
Yeah. Right. Students or staff that report violations of Title IX or sue for violations of Title IX cannot be retaliated against by the schools. Title IX has created enormous opportunities for women in the last 50 years. And while I would argue that equality between men and women in school and sports has not happened yet, nobody can deny that there's been incredible improvements and we're heading in the right direction. I'm just so happy to see that LGBTQ students are starting to benefit from Title IX as well, and there's no reason for anyone to be discriminated against and not treated as an equal in education or sports. And I'm glad that Title IX has made and continues to make such a difference. And that's what I'm going to be talking about, the start of Title IX. So I'm subscribed to an email list called Karma Tube, like Karma Tube. Okay. And they blast out these weekly emails, most of which I look at the inspirational quote attached and then I delete it. But there was one that I spotted that had Title IX in the email and I decided to scroll beyond. Just Just caught your eye. It did. It did. So I kept scrolling and the email included this short description of a woman named Patsy Mink. And it had a little documentary with it. So being the sucker that I am, I had to watch it. (laughs) Me. I am a sucker for documentaries. (laughs) Me too. Truly. And I had no idea who this woman was. So Mink Champion of Title IX was the name of the piece. And it was narrated by her daughter, Gwendolyn, called Wendy. I had never heard the story of Patsy Mink, the first woman of color, as well as the first Asian American woman elected to Congress. Title IX wouldn't have happened without Patsy Mink. Okay. So any ladies who have played sports in school have Patsy Mink to thank. And after reading her story, I totally understand why she was the fighter for human rights that she was. Patsy Matsu Takamoto was born in 1927 on Maui. Rough. I'm teasing, <laughs> but I would love to be born on Maui. <laughs> no, me um, too. It really wasn't that long, actually, after Hawaii had been annexed by the United States, okay. which is interesting in itself. Yes, um, I never really think about it. I hadn't at all either until this. So it was annexed in 1898. Okay. And for Native Hawaiians, it was a dark time, as the U.S. government saw the annexation as an opportunity to use the islands for their benefit, with mm-hmm. little regard for how the natives had lived. Right. So instead, these native Hawaiians would spend grueling time in the sugar fields working on plantations because sugar cane was the big cash crop. Okay. So Patsy was fortunate. Her family had been born in Hawaii, and her father spoke English fluently, hmm. allowing him to be offered a job as a sim- – I mean, he went to school too. So right. And he was a civil engineer on a plantation, which meant he got better pay – he had better working conditions. He didn't have the backbreaking labor that the other people had. And Patsy was also lucky that her parents treated her and her brother Eugene as equals. Eugene was about a year older than than Patsy. And at the time, girls were raised to stay inside and do things in yes, the house. And yes. boys were allowed to go outside. But her parents allowed her to play with Eugene. And he indulged her by letting her play, you know, games of football and soccer. <laughs> and, and Patsy's parents just encouraged her to follow her dreams, which yes, I do really you respect. Love. Yes. So in a way, I guess we owe a big thank you to the parents of Patsy Agree. as well for Title IX. As a four-year-old, Patsy had to have an emergency surgery to remove her appendix. And while her pediatrician and every doctor she had known was a male, she decided she wanted to help people and be a doctor. 
like Aww. these people who had helped her right. at four. So <laughs> Patsy and her brother were doing so well in school that their parents decided to send them to Konoa English Standard School, a well-regarded school that required an English grammar test to enter. Oh, okay. So I didn't really think about this, but because most of the kids were Native Hawaiians or Asians, English was their second language. So when they were given this test, most of them failed and therefore, consequently, were rejected from attending the school. But since her dad already spoke it... They passed. Right. So they went to the school, but there were very few students who weren't white. Everyone there was white. All the teachers were white. And she really felt like an outsider. The teachers didn't give her much attention. But still, she excelled at school. When she wasn't working on her studies, she was listening to FDR speaking on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> or she'd read Mahatma Gandhi. And there were times that her father would take her to election rallies where they'd sit in Hawaiian style is what they said and listen okay. to music. And then they'd have these rallies and speakers. She still wanted to be a doctor, but I think that's kind of when the seeds were planted of what she would eventually do. Right. She had a very comfortable childhood until 10th grade. On December 7th, 1941, it was one day after her birthday, Pearl Harbor was attacked, and her life changed forever. Over 120,000 Japanese Americans were taken from their homes during this time, and they were put in, in prisons, basically, across the country. Not just in Hawaii, but all over the United States, because basically they were worried that they were spies or working for... Right. I guess I didn't realize that that happened in Hawaii, too. Apparently. I don't know why I didn't think that way, because Uh, that's where it actually took place. I know. I didn't either. But But, um, this video shows them actually taking down Japanese signs, removing anything that they had that might make people think that they had an affiliation or would prefer that country, even if they had been born here. Right. Which most of them... I know. Right. Right. So... I mean, she had been born in Hawaii. Yes. So... I know. I know. It's mind-boggling. Mind-blowing, yes. Yes. So with over 120,000 Japanese Americans taken from their homes and imprisoned across the country, it was a very scary time for Patsy. Mm -hmm. And one night, her worst nightmare came true. Her father was arrested and taken in for questioning. She didn't know if she'd ever see him again. Right. I mean, I just can't imagine how scary that must have been. And fortunately for them, her father was allowed to return home. But he also was clearly shaken by the whole experience this as well. It blows my mind that this happened in America I know. still. I know. Like it and sounds not like that long ago. It really sounds like, you know, Nazi Germany. I know. To be scared that your father's not coming back home. I know. It just And fortunately it was the next morning me. that he came home, but still right. you it's it, scary it, night it still, for that family. Yeah, you wouldn't sleep, yeah. Yes. And then when he did come home, she remembered watching him the next morning burning all of his sentimental Japanese items, things from, you know, his grandmother, childhood, family and... heirlooms. Yeah. Add to that, she had the name calling, the hatred, because they hated the Japanese, because, you know, they were in war with the Japanese, but she was Japanese-American. Yeah. Correct. So just hard times, hard yes. times. Still, despite the taunting... Patsy ran for class president. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, this woman. (laughs) Go, Patsy. Yes, her senior year, and she won, being the first girl ever elected in her school. First girl ever elected in her school. Wow. She also had the highest grades in her class and went on to the University of Hawaii. There she joined the debate team, which sounds like it would be perfect for (laughs) her. And she was elected president of the pre-med club. 
Because remember before, she decided right. she was going to be a doctor. Right. So soon, many of her friends were moving their college to the mainland for better opportunities. And Patsy decided that was the best for her. Eventually, she settled at the University of Nebraska. And among the many challenges found there, the school housing was still segregated. So if you were Asian, Black, or Latina, you weren't allowed to live on campus. So tell me what this year would have been. Probably. Um, she, this would have been like 1947, 1946. Okay. Yeah. So Patsy started writing letters to the university, the campus newspaper and the local newspaper, just basically anyone. And she tried to encourage other people to do the same and just get the word out. Right. Like, this is insane. It reminded me a lot of Amy had talked about John Lewis. Okay. Um, a long time ago. And Patsy said she um, became... Quote, somebody who is going to stir up trouble. <laughs> and it worked because the following year, the school changed their housing policy. Wow. So very encouraging there. Letters and just getting word out. One person. Yeah. Started it. So Takamoto, which was her name at the time because this was before she was married. Patsy Takamoto wasn't able to take advantage of it, though, because her senior year, she developed a serious thyroid condition oh. that required surgery. So the poor girl, she has to move back to Hawaii, have the surgery, is in recovery. Really disrupts everything. Yeah. Truly. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And she finishes up. Her, oh, she's recovering. Also finishes up her degree at the University of Hawaii. So in 1948, she graduates with a bachelor's degree in chemistry Jesus. and zoology. And so, zoology? I know. That's I know. Smart girl, though. Yes. Patsy applied to a dozen medical schools and was devastated when rejection letters just kept flowing. The reason? Schools didn't want to accept a woman. In true underdog fashion, Patsy pivoted, changing her dream. She applied to and was accepted into the University of Chicago Law School. She was one of two women in her graduating class. She had been rejected by Columbia and was only accepted as a foreign student. So, what? Whatever. <laughs> she, got it. she started playing bridge at school with a young man pursuing a master's degree in geology. John Francis Mink was born in Pennsylvania. He was a World War II veteran, having been a U.S. Air Force navigator. And Patsy thought John was terrible at cards, so it wasn't a good bridge play player, but she loved spending time with him. They both wanted to change the world. They both wanted to promote equality. They loved science, books, and both were big dreamers. Six months after they met, they got married. Okay. Patsy's own parents didn't approve of the marriage because John was white. But she followed her heart, so and funny. she married John. Well, they also wanted her to concentrate on her studies and whatnot. And, right. And then it didn't help that he was white. Right. But John was able to find a job quickly after graduation where Patsy couldn't find a firm that wanted to hire a female attorney. This is like the story of her life. Right. It was even worse the following year when she had her daughter, Gwendolyn. No one wanted a female attorney, especially not one with a child. So Patsy and her family had moved back to Hawaii, the capital city of Honolulu, on Oahu. Right, right. When she went to take the bar, her name had been taken off the residency list. She had been born there, remember? Right. In Hawaii, in the territory of Hawaii. She was no longer a resident of the Hawaiian territory once she married John. Meaning she was a resident of the state she had never lived in. 
This just so. <laughs> again the common sense. Twilight is just Zone blown out. There the is window. none. There is, there no is just zero. She had to challenge the law, proving that she never resided in her husband's Here, estate. Also, he was, here's my birth certificate. I know, I know. But since she got married, it was because because she was. Since when did your whole life revolve around? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. so she had to challenge her state and prove that her home state was Hawaii. And the attorney general ruled in her favor and allowed her to take the exam as a Hawaiian resident. Thank goodness, she passed the test. And that meant that Mink was the first Japanese-American woman licensed to practice law in Hawaii. Wow. But that, I mean, you'd think she'd be super excited. She still had the same problem. Law firms didn't want to hire a woman. and With a child. Yeah. And Minnie had told her that a mother shouldn't be working. They should be at home taking care of their husband and their children. And she's thinking, I've done all this schooling. I know. I'd really love to use it. I know. Determined to practice law, though, she rented an office building and borrowed furniture to open up her own firm. Good for her. I know. It was with the help of her dad. Her father, too, had been passed by for promotions. Okay. At at the plantation that he worked for. And that had only gotten worse after the war. He finally resigned, moved to Honolulu, and opened up his own land surveying company. Right. So he kind of did the same thing. He's like, if you're not going to... They could share rent. Yeah. There we go. There we go. In 1956, a seat opened up in the Territorial House of Representatives because Hawaii still wasn't a state. When she ran, they asked her questions like, did she do housework when she was at home? Questions related to parenting Wendy. And then other journalists would downplay her credentials, saying that she was just another housewife and another mother. Stuff they'd never ask a man. Mm -hmm. No. So too many people didn't take her seriously, and some actually referred to her as their little bow-legged Japanese doll. My goodness. Yeah. Patsy also didn't have deep pockets like her opponents had. So they were throwing these fancy parties, big festivals with decorations and music, while Patsy was going door to door, just introducing herself, talking about her beliefs, and explaining herself to voters. Imagine. That's it? That's all she was doing? (laughs) That's what it took, though. Like her letter writing back at the University of Nebraska, her tactics paid off, and Patsy became the only woman in Hawaii's territorial congress. Just because she won, though, it didn't mean the fight was over. She might have been among men, but she was far from their equal. One radio station criticized her nonstop because she was fighting to stop the U.S. from creating and testing nuclear bombs. Minnie said she couldn't be trusted. And one male co-worker actually said, with Patsy sitting right next to him, we'll leave the woman out of it. This is a man's world. I'm right here. (laughs) Did you know I'm right here? In 1957, Patsy's Equal Pay for Equal Work Bill finally passed. It was a huge and hard-fought victory for Patsy and the women of Hawaii. When Hawaii became a state in 1959, Patsy ran for one of the seats. When she lost, she was devastated and said she'd never run again. So that year, less than 4% of the national Congress people were women. And of those, 100% were white. When another seat opened up in 1965, she decided to run again. Thank goodness she did. Right. She got a Daruma doll. Have you ever heard of those? I have not. Apparently, it's a Japanese doll that comes with both eyes undrawn. When someone starts a big project, they fill in one of the eyes. And then when the project's finished, they fill in the other one. Okay. I don't know if that's creepy. It it (laughs) appears kind of creepy, but... (laughs) But I, I guess can also it's see a like it's a it, it, motivational it, thing, maybe. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's. it's I wonder if they still symbol. do that today. 
I, that's something I, I need to look. Or people need to send us a note and yes. let us know if it's still something that they do. But and a picture. Yeah. Please. Lots of pictures. Yes. <laughs> this time she won, though. So Patsy was the very first woman of color to be a member of the U.S. Congress, and she immediately protested Mississippi's voting practices because they were preventing black citizens from voting. She said it's easy enough to vote right and be consistently with the majority, but it's more often more important to be ahead of the majority, and this means being willing to stand alone for a while if necessary. She constantly followed her moral compass, always fighting passionately for what she believed in, which I so, so admire. Yes. For her, women's rights was a cause close to her heart and an issue that she would be fighting in her own workplace. There was a house gym for all members of Congress to use. Well, except for women were not allowed to use it. I know. This sounds like a badass I mean, analogy. I, I, I think you need separate locker rooms. Okay. Yes, but I know. We can't be in the same gym together. Well, we were back in the day when um, Bally's had a women's only section. And yeah, now I loved that. I did I too. I have to tell you, as a person just starting to work yeah. out at that time, I yeah. loved it. I did too, but... They had to get rid of it because yeah. the men complained. Patsy thought it would be fair if the women could reserve the gym for just a few hours a week, which I think is right. totally fair. Yeah. But the men refused. Mind you, this is 424 men to 11 women. So the men were like, there's no reason you guys need to use the gym. Patsy <laughs> saw a flyer inviting members of Congress to an exercise class. And so three of the ladies decided to participate. They show up. And, of course, they're turned away because they aren't allowed in the gym. They're not members of the gym. because they're women. They're women. But with all that attention, the male representatives finally caved. (laughs) They took them seriously, and they allowed the women to use the gym. But it was for, kid you not, two hours a day, every Tuesday and Thursday. From 9 to 11 (laughs) p.m. Yes. (laughs) During a Democratic Party planning meeting, Patsy inquired about a plan to have a a woman someday as president. And a doctor named Edgar Berman, a member of the committee, said that women could not be leaders, that they were born incapable because of their bodies being different. Patsy was furious that this doctor was spreading falsehoods and turned to her letter writing once again. (laughs) And once again, it was successful. Dr. Berman resigned from his position. She didn't stop there. Patsy kept continuing to try to make things easier for women throughout the country, writing bills that would support poor women and children, as well as improve our educational system. Most likely, her determination was fueled by the discrimination she endured, being rejected from medical school, being only one of two women in her law school. Title IX was her attempt to give women the access she had fought so hard for. Edith Green, she's from Oregon, representative from Oregon, also a University of Oregon duck. She oh, went to Stanford, yes. I saw, but also okay. a duck. And Senator Birch Bayh, B-A-Y-H, he was from Indiana, and Patsy Mink all wrote the bill stating that about no public school from elementary through college could exclude girls or women from activities and programs. Title IX passed the House and Senate and was signed in by President Nixon. Unfortunately, that wasn't the end of the fight. Yeah. In that movie, too, that little documentary, yes. it's kind of funny. This guy's like, nope, it's not going to happen in this state. 
you will will still have guys only football. The money's going to football. Yeah, you, know, you just got to watch that documentary. It's well, very then good. I think the government could actually come through and pull their support. Funding. They're funding. Absolutely. It is federal money. Yeah, and he was on the news saying so, this, and now he's in the documentary. and They can pull was, that. He was not correct. But yes. opposition to Title IX was growing. And in 1975, there was a push to amend Title IX. High schools and colleges didn't want to spend money on women's sports. After all, they would say women didn't even want to play sports, these particular schools. Hmm. So the Casey Amendment proposed to allow schools themselves to determine whether they would provide equal funding in activities. They were going back and forth with this heated debate in the House, and the vote was up to anyone. They didn't know who was going to win. Right. Nobody knew which way it was going to go. And in the middle of this, Patsy gets a phone call that her daughter, Wendy, had been in a car accident. And the doctors didn't know if she was going to survive the night. So she races out of there. Right. And they lost by a single vote. Patsy's vote would have tied it. Representative Carl Burt Albert, he was from Oklahoma, explained to the other representatives why Patsy had to leave, explained the situation and, yeah. and why she had to leave so suddenly, and they agreed to do a revote when Patsy returned, which I have to... That's how it should be. It is. I'm it actually is. surprised she couldn't vote in abstentia or something like that. Where yeah. you, Maybe now they would do something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Her right. daughter does, like I said, her daughter's like, Title IX almost didn't happen because of me. <laughs> and she talks about the Ford Pinto or whatever it was that she got into an accident. And um, it's, it's like I said, everybody needs to just watch it. So they agreed to do the revote, and a few Congress people had actually changed their minds in this in, in the meantime. Yeah. So Patsy's position won, and Title IX was intact. In the decades since the bill passed, the number of women with college degrees more than tripled. Access to education and athletics for girls definitely improved. In 1972, when this passed, Mm -hmm. about 700 girls played on high school soccer teams. In 2019, that number jumped to 390,000. And that's just soccer. And people go watch them. The guy that was saying this, he's like, nobody's going to go watch those sports. Well, parents go watch it. Aunts and uncles go. They, Yeah. So um, it was an excuse. Yes. There's enough, there's enough support to go around. Absolutely. For guys and girls. Absolutely. So my mom noted the other night at our happy hour, which we missed you. Um, Thank you. But I know it was Colleen's anniversary. (laughs) Priorities. Definitely. But she commented about how she just loves underdog stories. And Patsy Mink's story is definitely that. I love the support she got from her husband. She ended up running for president, which I'll just briefly note in a little bit. But her husband supported her both in raising their daughter and supporting her political endeavors. Yeah. There are some adorable pictures of Minks and her the family just out campaigning. The Mink family just yes. out, you know, <laughs> campaigning for mom. This woman fought for the underdogs because she had been one and she knew Absolutely. the struggles. I love that her challenges didn't stop her. They just changed her course. Right. Her size didn't make her shy away. She was a petite little thing, but feisty fighting <laughs> for what she believed was right. So incredibly refreshing. And I just, I'm, I can't believe pe- more people don't know her name. I right. think everyone needs to know better. Right. So the short little documentary that I watched was on Karma Tube, like Karma, K-A-R-M-A, Karma Tube. And just Google and that's Pepsi. T-U-B-E? Yes. Okay. Yep. Just like YouTube, but Karma Tube. Okay. And then there's these two things, both of them I need to watch. There's a, it was called Patsy Mink, Ahead of the Majority. It was directed by Kimberly Basford in 2008. 
And then Rise of the Wahine in 2014, it's about the University of Hawaii's volleyball team after Title IX and their struggle to actually create a volleyball team, even though Title IX had been passed. Looks really good. Yeah, It's really good. A couple other things about Patsy Mink. She got the daycare bill to pass both House and Congress, but it was rejected by, vetoed by Nixon in 1971. But still, she got them both to pass that. Right. Long time ago. Right. Yes. 51 years ago. (laughs) I know that. In 1970, she was the first Democratic woman to deliver a State of the Union response and and only the second woman to respond to the address. She Hmm. sued the Environmental Protection Agency in 1972 about their nuclear testing on Amchita Island. She sued them for information about it. She wanted copies about it because she used the Freedom of Information Act. Was she concerned about the repercussions of and she it stopped being tested? Because when she first started, she was going after British nuclear testing. She okay. just didn't want all of that out in the environment. She was pacifist for sure, wanted more peaceful conditions. So I think she just thought that information should be out there for people so they could make an educated decision. Sure. Hawaii had no primary vote for the 1972 presidential election. She wanted to become president, but she had to be on the Oregon ballot, actually, because Hawaii didn't have a primary, and she wanted to run... Yay, Oregon! <laughs> yeah, with the, with the anti-war. She was very anti-war, but she still supported the Great Society programs of Lyndon B. Johnson. She promoted the Consumer Product Safety Act in 1972, Equal Employment Opportunity Act in 1972, Equal Credit Opportunity Act in 1974. She's far too busy for me. Yeah. Yeah, she was. (laughs) She's got a Um, lot of energy. I love it. And a little thing, too. Yes. In 1976, I thought this was really interesting. She started a class action lawsuit against Eli Lilly and company and the University of Chicago. She discovered that she had been given an experimental drug while she was pregnant with her daughter. Unknowingly, she'd been placed on this experimental drug. And apparently, she found out that the drug could put her and her daughter at risk later on of developing cancer. Wow. So they, I, I think they won that class action lawsuit for not only medical care, but future medical care, too, right. if sure. that were the case. Sure. In 1976, Jimmy Carter <laughs> appointed her as Assistant Secretary of State for Oceans and International Environmental and Scientific Affairs. She was working on deep sea mining, toxic waste, and whale protection. She resigned in 1980. And then in 1983, she was elected Honolulu city council and she served there until 1985 found it interesting she opposed supreme court justice clarence thomas and she actually worked to make sure that anita hill was allowed to testify Hmm. in august 2002 sadly she was hospitalized for complications from chickenpox and she just went downhill from there and ended up with viral pneumonia and she died when she was just 74 Wow. It's a lot of spunk in her. More people will definitely know about Patsy Mink in 2024 because she's going to be awarded a quarter. She's going oh, to be in the face of a quarter. We need to find so, that. Yes, that's very, very cool. Yes. It's easy enough to vote right and be consistently with the majority, but it's more often more important to be ahead of the majority. And this means being willing to cut the first furrow in the ground and stand alone for a while if necessary. Patsy Takamoto Mink. So, Teresa, do you have, like, all your pictures and memories all in order and in albums? I feel like that's a sarcastic 
question for me. Scully knows that I do not. My boys really want. They love scrapbooks, which is funny because, like you said, I have all yeah. boys, and you, I am. But no, you know, I don't. Okay. Far, no, that's... far, far <laughs> from it. So scrapbooking is a big hobby of mine, mm-hmm. and it has been for a really long time. Even before I had my kids, oh. I was scrapbooking. Mm-hmm. I figured it out recently. I've been scrapbooking since about 1997. Oh, wow. So. Yes. Like 24. Yes. Years. Yeah. Yeah. 26. Yeah. 26, 26 years. And I actually, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I know it took me a minute too. I actually <laughs> meet with four friends once a month mm-hmm. and we scrapbook. Oh. Well, some of it's just talking and eating. <laughs> yeah. But like book clubs I, and, yeah. right. But I I currently still scrapbook and I'm fairly caught up. Mm-hmm. I think maybe I'm into December of last year. Oh my gosh! So I know that is interesting yeah. that you say your boys like them because one time I got a big order that I'll talk about in the mail mm-hmm. and Nick definitely loved flipping through them because oh, yeah. he was in them. Yeah. So well, no, I'm <laughs> like different because I have been okay about some vacation books because oh, yeah. if I do small things like them oh okay i i did start to do just a christmas one so i like i put our christmas picture and then little tidbits about that that about that year year. and then i just yeah well i'm not perfect on i I started out school books i have Mm -hmm. dance books that Mm -hmm. i haven't finished so our general family one i'm pretty caught up on but like i said i first started scrapbooking in 1997 and around that time i started reading a magazine called creating keepsakes Mm. And <clears throat> I love this magazine. I look forward to it every month showing it's up still, at my house. It's still the magazine? It's still, it's not around anymore. Oh, okay. But I dog-eared the pages. <laughs> I ripped pages out. And I was always drawn to this certain kind of style. I really liked it clean and tidy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of my style. Mm-hmm. And, and I was drawn to it. And I started to realize that the person that did these pages was a woman named Becky Higgins. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> she was actually the creative editor of that magazine. magazine. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That I see. I'm with you with the clean and yes. minimal decorations and yes. stuff on there because I think that lasts. It's timeless. Exactly, and that's how all of her stuff looked, and I, and I just loved it. And soon I noticed that Becky started writing more articles and ideas, and I tore out every <laughs> single article. I remember at a point I had a full binder of just Betsy's. what we call her BH, <laughs> but all of Becky's yeah. stuff. She and when you say we call her, is this because you shared it at well, scrapbooking night? Really, honestly, like the whole scrapbooking community, mm-hmm. I'm putting that in quotes, calls her BH. Oh, okay. like if, if you have somebody that scrapbooked forever and you say BH, they know They'll who, know. They, who <laughs> she is. I know. Oh. Um, so she published countless articles and nine books. She did a lot of books on her very simple style. She mm-hmm. actually had a book on sketches where you could just look at the sketch and create it your own style, but it would give you ideas. Mm. She also did creative lettering, which I loved. Mm-hmm. And I remember doing envelopes with <laughs> little holly letters. And oh, man. I just loved it. Yeah. I just loved it. So in 2009, she started her own company. Mm-hmm. And she had three kids by that time, and she really wanted – she had a passion for offering solution-based products to people who felt the pains of being overwhelmed by pictures and memories. And I remember when she started her own Mm -hmm. company. I mean, I was – She's not going to be in the magazine. She's not going to be in the magazine anymore. But that was fine with me. I knew what was going on. And she actually put her first products – she introduced them on HSN. You know, QVC. Oh, okay. Home Home Shopping Shopping Network. Network. Okay. Yeah. And I remember – I don't know. Staying up late. Yeah, I can't remember (laughs) if I recorded it then or what. But 
around that time, my life was also getting busier with two kids yeah. at home. I worked 32 yeah. hours a week. They danced. And they didn't drive yeah. at that time. Yeah. And I also felt drawn to this simpler version of scrapbooking. Mm-hmm. And I remember this first version that she put out sold out. Oh. Like, I was the only one of my friends that had happened to get it because I was too right. I know you're all shocked. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very simple. It was just basically plastic sheets mm-hmm. that were already in pockets. Mm-hmm. And they were all four by six or three by three. And she also had little cards you could slide in. Mm-hmm. So you, And they were decorated, but you could also write on them. And then you could slide in your pictures. So it was a very, very simple way of mm-hmm. scrapbooking. Mm-hmm. And I really, I really, she also really advocated... Scrapbooking the everyday stuff, not just the pretty yeah. stuff. Yeah, the birthday um, parties, Gretchen, Easter. Uh, Ruben has talked about that. Like when we had right. um, lockdown and stuff. Right. Like people didn't take pictures of the empty parking lots or that Target right. was closed forever or different things. Now going back, I kind of wish we had because. Right. People in the future are not going to have any idea. No, and Becky Higgins, and we'll get into that. Actually, came up with cards mm-hmm. that you could put in your pages about the pandemic. Oh. So just FYI, we'll get into that in a little bit. So I just really love that idea about a scrapbooking, just your everyday life Mm -hmm. stuff, what your kid likes to eat, Mm -hmm. what you like to do. Yeah. Um, So I just really like that. In 2014, she introduced the Project Life app, which you can still find Mm -hmm. today. It's a fantastic app. So I was a person that was swore I would never digitally scrapbook. Mm-hmm. Like, are you kidding me? I've bought all this stuff. <laughs> but this app is amazing. It was a really cool change for me. I could scrapbook anywhere I wanted, and mm-hmm. I did. Like, and you don't have line. to pack all your stuff. Right. It's, just, it's okay. on your phone. Yeah. It's on your phone. Mm-hmm. The app is free. Mm-hmm. There's in-app purchases, but they're very reasonably priced. Um, some of the fun things in the app. We are not sponsored. No, but. no, no, we're not sponsored. But I, I just, the whole thought of memory keeping and simple memory keeping mm-hmm. is really close to home to no, me. No, but I'm saying that's and even more Higgins. reason you're, I mean, right. that's. Right. You no. truly love it. Yeah. You can do so many things. There's different fonts. Mm-hmm. What's There's the name all, of our app again? It's called Project Life. Project Life. Right. It's, like I said, it was a, it's a free app. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can BH. Do, BH. <laughs> but you can do 12 by 12 pages on that app. You can have printed. You can also do 6 by 8. So the really great thing about this app, too, is you can make your scrapbook page on it. Mm-hmm. You can actually set it to be printed, mm-hmm. and it shows up at your door. One great thing I realized is one time it was sitting at my door, and it had been pouring rain. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. all my stuff is ruined. Mm-hmm. It is so perfectly packaged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're in Oregon, so we're we get Oregon. serious rain. Right. And so I really love that, too. And I just love the simplicity of it. Um, actually, recently, I just made really cute 4 by 6 invitations mm-hmm. for a church thing. So you can just make a simple 4 by 6 as well. It's just really, really simple. Now, when you say really, yeah. really simple. Yes. Like really, really simple for someone who doesn't really scrapbook or. I, really yes. Sim- yeah. So I actually convinced my sister who has five kids. Mm-hmm. I could never get her to scrapbook. In fact, I would scrapbook her kids for her. Mm-hmm. So she would send me pictures and I would scrapbook them. <laughs> <laughs> so. This is how sweet Colleen is. <laughs> Cleaning other people's homes, scrapbooking for them. So she actually got her to start doing it. And she oh. loves the Project Life app. Last time I was there, she had me show her how to do a couple things. I've been using it for so long that I know mm-hmm. a couple tips yeah. and tricks. But otherwise, it's very, very simple. And I just really love that. Okay, maybe in the next two weeks before we chat again, I'll give it, yes. I'll give it a whirl. <laughs> she also has a classroom. It's called the BH Classroom. <laughs> so, so is it like a, a 
webinar thing or like a yeah, Zoom? Yeah, you can sign up through her a website, mm-hmm. which we'll talk I'll, – I'll talk about that at the end too. Just different ways. She has different philosophies about memory keeping. Mm-hmm. Another thing that the Project Life just app came out with, and it, this has really appealed to me being an empty nester, I think, mm-hmm. is a lot more journaling pages. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So one picture you, or no pictures, you can just journal and print it out. So I do have a book of that that I've started, just odds and ends. She has mm-hmm. a lot of ideas. Because, I'm, of course, I'm finding with no kids at home, I do have less pictures, let's mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah. So it's really a good idea, though. Your kids do want to know about you. Yeah. They really do. Yeah. I know you don't think they do, <laughs> but they do. She also has a podcast. Oh. It's called Cultivate a Good Life. Cultivated Good Cultivate Life? A Good Life. Oh, Cultivate a Good Life. Okay. Um, she's not making any new ones right now, mm-hmm. but I really love it. You don't have to be a scrapbooker mm-hmm. at all to enjoy mm-hmm. it. I've learned so many new things through that. One more thing that she has that's part of her brand is something called a simple notebook. Mm-hmm. I've given one to you before. They're great little gifts. They're just a little notebook. Mm-hmm. They're spiral bound. Mm-hmm. I love them because they always got a cute cover on them. I can't remember the one I gave you, but I remember thinking, this is so Teresa. <laughs> I think it was for your birthday or something. And I love the pages don't bleed mm-hmm. through to each other. Mm-hmm. I use it for lists and everything else. So I just really love that. Just a fun thing that I wanted to say is my daughter was on a church mission and she was in Maryland mm-hmm. and she got to know BH's parents Oh, who were part of that mission as well. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought? Yeah. Her dad yeah. was the doctor for the missionaries oh, okay. there. Okay. I'm not going to even tell you how I figured that out because you all <laughs> will judge me. But. And once, you were trying to get your daughter to <laughs> get sick and go. Visit? Yeah. <laughs> Um, she ended up being really good friends with Becky's parents, and Becky's mom actually <laughs> got a notebook for me and had Becky sign it, and oh, she mailed it to my home. Oh, my gosh. So. Okay, so they go to the Project Life that also sells the notebooks, or? Um, that is at BeckyHiggins.com. Okay. Yeah. We can talk. I'll, yeah. I'll give you all these at the end, too, but she says, cultivate a good life and record it. This has been her tagline from the beginning, because she believes deeply That it's not just about preserving the memories and getting photos and books, but also truly living life with intention, confidence, and gratitude. You can find Becky at BeckyHiggins.com. That's where you can find like her simple notebooks, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. her BH classroom. She's on Instagram as BeckyHigginsLLC. And And if you see her anywhere, you need to email Colleen. And I'll run over. (laughs) At Real Becky Higgins is also another Insta handle. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you can also download the Project Life app for Apple or Android. Mm-hmm. It's for both mm-hmm. in the App Store. So if you. So, dumb question yes. when you do do that. Yes. So, the app. Yes. And you order the page. Yep. Who, is, is it her her thing that's sending that to you, or what is that through? It's somebody that she works with. Okay. I have to tell you, I've been so impressed with the quality of the pages mm-hmm. that I get. And then what I do is I slip them in a plastic page yeah, protector. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What This is another thing I like is that I have a family book, but my girls also have books that they started like in middle school, mm-hmm. right? They're not really doing them anymore. They, they don't live at home. But when I do pages that feature them, I print mm-hmm. two. It's, and it's like mm-hmm. super easy. So it can go in their book right, and the family book. Right. And both of them have really loved that. So mm-hmm. I slip one into mine. I slip one into theirs and mm-hmm. it's done. I don't have to create three different pages. You're such a pages. good mom. 
cultivating <laughs> and recording such a good line. I, I yeah. really enjoy yeah. it. And if, if you guys do any pages, please send me a picture. <laughs> I would She's love to not see joking. Them. She and wants if, ideas. And if you need any help with the app, <laughs> let us know. I will help you. Let Colleen know. She can let help. Let Colleen know. <laughs> awesome. We should feel excited about the problems we confront. Solving them is one of the highest of all our brain functions. Robert A. Wilson Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.